Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. Birdsong back with you yet again. I'm here to inform you and entertain you. Got a good show today. We have a guest, a young lady who has traveled to over 80 countries around the world and has lived on four different continents. Uh, she's a trainer and speaker. Of course, I will do some commentary and opinions about what's been going on in the news over the last week, such things as the uh, Veterans Administration nominee, Ronnie Jackson, may be running into problems. Mike Pompeo has Probably is probably going to be our new Secretary of State, but I have my doubts about him. I'll tell you why. Learn something about the maker of bump stocks and uh, Rudy Giuliani. He's now joined the link, the uh, Trump legal team. Rudy Giuliani also been the mayor of New York. There will be dumb, some dumb criminal law stories and riddles as usual, and I do have a Paul Harvey story for you and the thought of the day. So let's get started. Um, my guest is Brenda McGuire. She's a highly sought after international trainer and speaker. Like I said, she's traveled to over 80 countries and lived on four different continents. She's also a best selling author and CEO and founder of two international companies. She's also been an award winning keynote speaker. I had the pleasure of meeting her last, uh, December at a conference here in Orlando. Brenda, this is Birdsong. Thank you for coming on with us. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, I told you it might happen back then. I was just starting the radio program and uh, thought I'd have you on. Now, you have done so much. You are an author. You have at least a three books out, bestsellers, as I understand it. And you are CEO of a couple of countries, a couple of companies, rather. How did you get into this travel business? How did you come to be a cross-cultural specialist? Tell us about it. <laughs> well, you know, my journey has been very interesting. I grew up in um, rural Iowa and never really thought about traveling or seeing the world or anything like that, but I always had this this dream to do so. Um, when I got older, when I met a uh, exchange student in my high school, and I started being very curious about learning about other cultures and countries. So I had some opportunities um, to start traveling when I was in university, including semester at sea, where I went around the world in 12 countries. And when I came home, I realized there was this amazing world out there. And I, I just spent about 10 years living and working around the world, using the world as my classroom. And during that time, um, I was exposed to so many amazing people and learning about their cultures. But the one thing I also learned is that, you know, when you're living and working and traveling in other cultures, it's not always easy. And one of the reasons is because you often don't know what you don't know when you are interacting with that cultures. And so I always say, oh, my gosh, I've made all the faux pas. I've made all the mistakes. So... I actually started two international companies to help people to live, work, and travel the world to be more effective and, and to be able to connect more effectively with those cultures. So it's kind of funny. I never, when I went to school and 
uh, university, I never dreamed I'd become this cross-cultural specialist and I'd be helping people to connect across cultures, but love what I do, very passionate and, and just love to connect with other people and learn their journey and their stories. Yeah, well, I was very interested in your story. You told me and you took three trips around the world, sailing trips. You, you talked to people on cruise ships and things like that. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, again, uh, when I was in university, I saw this poster. And back then, you know, I, I didn't know how could you go around the world. I, I, you know, my parents didn't travel. I didn't really have a passport. I didn't really even know people who traveled. So all of a sudden, I saw this poster. And Semester at Sea took me into a world I can only imagine. I, again, we went around the world, a 102-day journey sailing around the world to 12 countries. And so here, are, all of a sudden, in Iowa, I had never even been to the ballet, and now I'm at the Kira <laughs> Ballet in St. Petersburg, Russia. And um, you can imagine, it was just so life-changing. Um, I would then go on to live in six countries, and um, one of the countries I lived in was Japan. And through that through living in Japan, I ended up um, getting on a ship called Peace Boat, um, which is a Japanese NGO, and I sailed around the world twice more. And one of the biggest lessons I learned from that, yeah, obviously we're looking at, um, and I was the only American on the ship, by the way, but a mm. lot of the lessons I learned during that time, yeah, of course we were learning about peace issues, but really it was that one-to-one connection with people. And I realized, my gosh, the world, the media makes it sound like it's this big, scary world. But that really was not my experience. The people were amazing. I remember spending Christmas Day in Eritrea once, um, and some woman just walked up, gave me, looked like one of her prized possession um, beaded necklaces, and she just handed it through a bus window. And that was my only Christmas gift I'd ever received, I mean, received, but it's one of my most cherished ones, and it just was heart-to-heart, even though we couldn't communicate the same language. So, again, I think it all goes back to one-on-one communication with people around the world, and I think that's what builds the bridges of peace. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, I was in the Foreign Service, so I've traveled some places in the world. I did not go to Eritrea, and not many, many Americans have been, but actually <laughs> yep. when I was in private practice after I left the government, I used to represent some Eritrean people who had claims mm-hmm. for political asylum in the United States. But getting back to you, I understand your father was the one who was the impetus to get you doing this traveling. Tell us about that. Yeah, my father was a very special man, and he was one of, he just so empowered me and to travel the world to reach my goals and my dreams. Even though he had never traveled out of the country, he always wanted me to see the world. And I always say he's my greatest cheerleader and supporter. Um, and, you know, he'd always say, just do it, Brenda. And so, you know, my dad, his dream, he was, he was always supporting my travel dreams, but his travel dream was to go to Africa on a safari. So I took him. The timing wasn't right. The finances weren't right. But we, we went and went on this amazing safari together. And thank goodness we did because it was just a few years later um, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and we didn't even mm. know he had cancer. Passes away 13 days later. But what's special about that story is that I created a photo book of all of our memories together on that safari. And while he was very sick, those were giving him moments of comfort. And we were talking about what we had did, not what we had not done. So he made me realize, gosh, you just got to live each moment. Um, and then as a tribute and as a legacy to my father, I actually launched a company a year later on the one-year anniversary of his passing to um, called Global Gals to encourage and empower other women to travel the world just like he did for me. So now I have a whole company created in his legacy and his honor to now help other women. Well, that's great. Do you have uh, sponsors or various companies that help you with this? Well, what we 
do um, in, in Global Gals is really it's about, we're more of a global community, and we provide programs and services to help women, to encourage them and empower and inspire them to uh, fulfill their travel dreams or maybe overcome roadblocks or challenges. And you can check out um, globalgals.com. But we have all kinds of workshops. We've, we've done lots of events where women come together who love to travel, to have a community. Um, we give tips, support. We've done some trip uh, travels. In fact, we ended up going back to Africa last year. I brought a, whim, a group of women um, on safari um, you know, to honor my father as well. And so it's, it's been an amazing group of women, community of support, and really helping women to reach their travel dreams. And it's important to recognize that I realize not everybody wants to go out of the country or the world, but I encourage people to travel, even if it's in their own backyard or across across <laughs> another state. <laughs> because for some people, that is a big deal. So, And that's great. I don't care where you travel, when you travel, who you travel with, as long as you travel. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that's a good thing to know. I love travel myself. Mm-hmm. You are also, though, as I understand it, a recipient of the Speaker's XP Award. Tell us about that. Sure. Well, you know, I've been very blessed on my journey to be able to speak on the world stage, literally. I've been, I've probably spoken in 20, 30 countries. Um, and so, you know, because of that, I did receive the XP Speaker's Award. But what's, what's more important is that now I love to just speak, share, um, my passion of really helping people to live, work, and travel the world. Help them to kind of, in a sense, achieve that big success in a small world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also have had time to become a best-selling author. Uh, Answering the Call is one of your books, Performance 360 with uh, Mr. Branson, mm-hmm. and The Soul of Success. Are your books available on Amazon.com? Yes, they are. And if you're interested, you can download my chapters for free, actually, at brendamaguire.com. Um, you know, those, are, those were amazing collaborative projects. And one of them, one of them the soul of the success was with Jack Canfield. Um, uh, you, many of you may know him from the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, and, and in that chapter, I shared um, uh, Small World Big Connections, where I talk about what an amazing small world we live in and all the, ser- all the people I've met on my journey. I, um, and serendipitous moments where I've met people on one continent and ran into them in another continent <laughs> at a later stage. <laughs> it and happens. I know many, that. It happens. Many times. In fact, I have a, a website called Small World Stories where people can share, you know, those small world uh, stories they've had. For example, um, I spent my whole life trying to get out of Iowa. Um, I grew up here, and I was, became this woman of the world, traveling, living around the world. But my heart said I had to move back to Sydney, Australia the second time. And as fate would have it, on closing ceremony of the Olympics um, in Sydney, I met a boy from Iowa who worked in the same company, same <laughs> building as my mom in Des Moines. And it's so funny. I never dreamt that I'd go, go to the other side of the world and meet somebody in my hometown back in, in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, it does happen. I know that. <laughs> it does happen. Well, that that's great. Um where where are you going next? What what <laughs> next uh, overseas travel do you have? Well, uh, this summer I'm going to be going to Europe. I'm excited. I'm going to spend about a, uh, a month in Europe uh, visiting several uh, some of my clients. I have another company called Worldwide Connect, which we help people to do business across cultures and work globally. Um, but then I, I have a trip to Australia and New Zealand planned as well. So those are my ah. next two big trips. Now tell me this, Brenda, have you mastered any other foreign, any foreign languages? Do you speak some Japanese? 
I do speak a little bit of Japanese. I am, I, you know what, I always joke, I'm not fluent in any specific language. I barely can master English at most, most of the time. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> You're doing I, a fine I, job. Yeah, Come well, on I actually, um, I speak pieces of different languages. I've lived in Switzerland. I speak some German, a little bit of Japanese, different ones. Um, people often ask me, though, you know, Brenda, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid to go around the world or travel because I don't speak another language. But don't let that stop you. I moved to Japan and didn't speak Japanese. <laughs> um, you know, English is a universal language uh, around the world, so people try that. But again, there's so many great tools out there, Google Translate, that type of thing. So there's a lot of ways to communicate. So I wouldn't worry about not being able to travel to different places, even if you don't speak that language. All right, then. Well, listen, I know that you said that people can contact you. You want to give your website uh, again and tell us how we may be able to get in touch or our listeners get in touch with you for Global Gals and Worldwide Connect. Sure. So we have globalgals.com, and I encourage you to go on our site. It's got a lot of helpful tips. You can stay connected to Global Gals. WorldwideConnect.com, um, that's where we work with the corporate uh, business people and how to help them work across cultures, uh, cross-cultural training, those types of things. Um, so you can go to that. And lastly, um, you can go to BrendaMcGuire.com and you can download my, um, my chapters of the three books for free. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that sounds really good. And uh, I understand that you're going to be in my town soon. You're going to call me. Yes, yes. <laughs> I look forward to hopefully catching up again. That'd be great. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's been good talking with you. Isn't it funny that it was just a few months ago that we met and we had this this talk uh, outside of one of the the presentations, and here you are today on the radio. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm very, very honored, and I'm very excited. You've got an amazing show, and I've loved hearing and listening to all your other presenters. I especially love the woman who was 97 years old, telling us how to stay young. <laughs> yeah, that was Victoria that. Smith. She's something. Think... She's a real firecracker, isn't she, you know? <laughs> well, I think you have The first question show. she always wants people to ask her is, uh, when are you going to retire? And she never <laughs> says, <love> she always <laughs> says she's never going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I love that you're bringing people in here, letting them share their stories and journeys. Our world, we hear some, some stuff that's not so good, and I'm just encouraging people, get out there, see this amazing world. It, it really is, is truly... A, an unbelievable, amazing world. And if I if I can just you know pass on anything, just get out there, get out of your comfort zone, and and go go see the world. Well, I I agree with that. I haven't lived on four continents, but I was born in North America. I've lived in Europe. I've lived in Africa, and I've lived in the Caribbean. So as a foreign service officer, I've seen a little bit of the world, and so have my children. And I'm very proud of that. My son, he was actually a teacher in Japan for two years. He was in the Japan Exchange Mm -hmm. Teacher Program, and he still speaks some Japanese. I'm very proud of my children. My daughter has spent time in France. She speaks pretty good French. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, I'm stuck with German, English, and a little Spanish myself. The (laughs) the State Department sent me to German language school and sent me to Germany for three years. So it really does expand your boundaries. But, Brenda, I... Thank you for coming on, and I hope to see you soon. And uh, thanks for all that you've told us. And keep up the good work, my friend. Keep it up, okay? <laughs> well, thank you. I, I really, really appreciate it. So, Pe- People who do good things, Brenda, good things come to them. I know that. The Lord works in very strange ways. But if you do good things, good things will come back to you. 
All right, then. I'm going to sign off. This is Birdsong. You've been talking to Brenda McGuire. There's more to come. Stay with us, folks. I'd be back. This is Bert Song. We're back with you. We just finished talking with Brenda McGuire. She is the CEO of Global Connect and Global Gals. She travels the world, does speaking and teaching cross-cultural affairs. Interesting lady. Now it's time for me to talk a little bit about my commentary and opinions for the week. Some of the things going on in the world particularly in Washington, D.C., where I spent much of my life. We have the Veterans Administration nominee, person who's going to be nominated by the president to run the Veterans Administration. He's an admiral, Admiral uh, Ronnie Jackson. He's a doctor. He's the doctor for the White House. He's been there for several years. President Trump nominated him about a few weeks ago. However, he has had no experience in managing large companies or large hospitals, although he's a medical doctor and supposedly a pretty good one. The uh, VA has over 3,000 employees, and he has no real management experience other than running units that were between 20 and 30 people. So that was a problem. However, lately we found out that maybe he has other problems that – The Trump administration didn't vet very well. Now, I don't know if all these things are true. He says they're not, but he has critics who said that he's been drinking on the job, that he has uh, made uh, some of his work contacts uh, toxic and that he's hard to get along with. He screened at some of his employees. And the last thing that came out is they call him, some of them call him the candy man because he is, passes out uh, prescriptions uh, or prescription medicine without prescriptions to help people sleep and then help them wake up. I don't know where this nomination is going to go. President Trump says he's going to back him, but I don't think Congress is going to be behind this one. It would be my opinion that he probably is going to withdraw. If he doesn't withdraw, I do not think that Congress The Senate certainly would approve him to be the Veterans Administration Director. You can say you heard it from Birdsong. Then there's Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo this past week was, uh, he had been nominated to be the new Secretary of State, and it looks like he is going to be the Secretary of State because the Senate has passed on him. Now, I served in the State Department, and I loved it, and I still think it's a great organization. It's been neutered the last year or so by the former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. I served under Cyrus Vance when he was Secretary of State, and I served under uh, George Schultz when he was Secretary of State. And to be the Secretary of State, you have to know about the world 
and you have to work with people from different cultures and you have to have an open mind. I have some problems with Mike Pompeo. He is a bright guy. He went to the military academy and he graduated first in his class. That was West Point. He went to Harvard Law School and he did very well. He went in the military, in the army. He served his country. He, sir, he became a congressman, served in Congress. And, uh, for the last year and a half, he's been the CIA director in Washington, D.C. My problem with him is he's a bigot. He's not so much a bigot on race, but he is anti-gay and he is against Muslims. Mr. Pompeo has promoted and validated, uh, things about Muslims. He's characterized them as a threat to America and says Islam is a faith that's inherently violent. I don't think that's true. He has appeared on a radio show where he's talked about creeping Sharia law and also he's indicated that the Muslim Brotherhood has infiltrated the United States government. Now those things are not true as far as I know. The problem is he's also won an award for speaking out against Muslims. I don't know if this is the kind of person who can be an effective Secretary of State. Bias is one thing, but going public and going on radio as he has done to talk about Muslims and denigrating them, denigrating them is not a very good thing for foreign policy. So we will see what happens. However, I'm not in this corner. Now, one thing that did happen this past week is something good. There's a headline that the maker of bump stocks has stopped taking orders. Bump stocks are the apparatus you can put on your assault rifle to make it fire like a machine gun. The story is out of Los Angeles, which says the largest manufacturer of bump stocks which allows semi-automatic weapons to fire rapidly like automatic firearms, announced this past Wednesday that it will stop taking orders and shut down its website next month. Now, why do you think they might do that? Well, the announcement comes after a month after President uh, Trump has said that his administration would ban bump stocks and uh, also... There have been some shootings, uh, the one in Las Vegas where the shooter used bump stocks. And it's just a bad thing. It's bad for business. I guess the manufacturers believe they don't want to take any more problems from the government. So we will see how that turns out. On balance, I think banning bump stops or ending them is a good thing. Now, I'm not against guns, but everyone does not need a machine gun. Rudy Giuliani, former president, former mayor of New York and former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Manhattan, or Southern District of New York, rather, has joined the legal team of Donald Trump. This legal team is the one that's supposed to be helping Mr. Trump with his problems with the Mueller probe. Mr. Giuliani has joined him and says that he thinks that he can negotiate an agreement with Bob Mueller to end the Mueller probe 
into collusion with Russia in about two weeks. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I think Giuliani is talking big. Problem is, and Giuliani should know better than this, he was a federal prosecutor, that the investigation will end when the investigator believes they have uncovered everything that they need to do. Maybe it would take two more weeks. Maybe it will take two more months. However, it's up to the prosecution to end it, not Rudy Giuliani coming in from the outside. But we will see what happens. We will see what happens. This is Birdsong. You heard it here. Stick with us. There's more to come. Song back with you. Hope you're enjoying the show today. You've just heard some of my commentary and opinions about what's happening in Washington. Let's now do some entertainment. I'm going to give you some dumb criminal law stories and some riddles. These dumb criminal law stories are all true. They come from all over the world, and it's been my hobby for years to collect them. I first did it for my law students. I created a blog where I put my dumb criminal law stories up. The law students love them. All right, here is the latest story that I've collected. The headline reads, and it's from New York, Mailman Didn't Deliver. Mailman Didn't Deliver. The story. A letter carrier a letter carrier hoarded more than 17,000 pieces of mail in his car, apartment, and work locker, according to a Brooklyn federal criminal complaint. His name, Alexi Germash. He's charged with delaying or detaining mail after stockpiling parcels for 12 of his 16 years with the U.S. Postal Service in Diker Heights. Now, officials report that in the, earlier this month, they were tipped off to a N Nissan Pathfinder car belonging to Gurmash. The car had 20 U.S. Postal Service's mail bags inside. Gurmash was arrested. He said he was overwhelmed by the amount of mail and made sure to deliver the important mail. <laughs> I don't know how he knew what was important. At any rate, he appeared in Brooklyn Federal Court last week and was released on $25,000 bail. That's a lot of mail, 17,000 pieces of mail. Mailman didn't deliver. <laughs> uh, we'll see if he can beat the rap. Who knows? All right, here's some stories that I've done earlier. 
Some of them are funny, some of them are sad. This first one comes from Arkansas. This is one that's sort of funny. The headline, he juggled his way out of a ticket. A DWI suspect beat a rap by his magical skills. Blake Puckett, 21, a magician and a juggler at the University of Central Arkansas, where he's a student, was pulled over by campus police who suspected him of driving under the influence. To prove he was not intoxicated, Puckett got out of his car, juggled three bowling pins, and was sent on his way. Police did not believe he was intoxicated because he could juggle three bowling pins. <laughs> oh, here's a story from California. The headline on this one reads, The FBI better call the police. We learned that a special FBI agent in Costa County, California, was the victim of a car theft. And the bandit got away with the agent's submachine gun, ammunition magazines, and his bulletproof vest. No suspects have been identified. The FBI better call the police. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Florida. You know, there's some real stories that come out of Florida. Got several of them here. Headline for this one, it's all over for the one alleged toll beater. It's all over for one alleged toll beater. His name, Joshua Concepcion West, was recently arrested when police say they caught him using what? A remote control gadget that lowered a curtain over his license plate before he drove through an Orlando toll booth and raised the curtain once he got to the other side. He's charged with evading several thousand dollars worth of tolls. <laughs> uh, a remote control gadget that lowers a curtain over his license plates when he goes through <laughs> a toll booth. All right. Here's one from Florida. Headline says, oops, right church, but wrong pew. A Jacksonville, Florida landlord evicting a deadbeat tenant had a crew go into apartment 233 and throw everything out to the curb. However, there was a big problem. The non-rent payer was in apartment 213. Quote, I've been sleeping on my floor waiting for something to happen, said the wrongly trashed tenant, Mrs. B. David. She goes on to say, I want them to pay for all my stuff that I've lost. I guess so. Wrong church or right church, but wrong pew. We have another story from Florida. An arrest of a biting shoplifter. That's what the headline says. An arrest of a biting shoplifter. We learned from a police report that Darian Gianelli, 23, was trying to steal $110 worth of meat from a Boynton Beach public supermarket when a 65-year-old Good Samaritan intervened to stop the theft and was bitten by Gianelli for his trouble. Police were called, and Gianelli was arrested. Now we have another incident from Florida, yet another biting incident. This one reads, A chubby thief tried to steal lingerie from a Victoria's Secret in Florida. Police were called and apprehended the thief, who then bit an officer's thumb. As three officers struggled to handcuff Algernon Baker, 
who was suspected of shoplifting $750 worth of ladies' undies, chomped chomped down in a futile bid to flee. He chomped down on the officer's thumb. We learn he is out of jail and on bond waiting for trial for grand theft and assault on a peace officer. I would say it was assault and bitery. <laughs> Biting the thumb of a police officer. <laughs> oh, another story from Florida. The headline. Could this have been a joint investment? A woman bought a used couch online and discovered it was stuffed with marijuana. The woman realized that something was up when the seller began fright, frantically. The woman realized that something was up when the seller began frantically texting her, contending she had left something important in one of the cushions. Quote, you're stealing from me, end quote, the seller texted, insisting she return the pot. Instead, the buyer did what? The buyer called the police. <laughs> yes, an arrest was made. All right, the last story for today. This comes from Massachusetts. The headline, Amnesia Maybe? It has been reported that police did not have to look very far to find a sleepy suspect wanted in a knife-point holdup in the town of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Melissa Holden, 40, allegedly used a knife to steal two pints of vodka and a bottle of Gatorade from a liquor store and then passed out in the nearby building where police arrested her. Her attorney says she has no memory of the crime. <laughs> I guess not. Two pints of vodka and Gatorade. <laughs> All right, these are the dumb criminal law stories for this week. Some of them are funny, some of them are sad, but there's never an end to them. They are free at my website, birdsongslaw.com, or you can... Buy them for your for your uh, Kindle, or you can buy them paperback at Amazon.com. Professor Birdsong's Dumb Criminal Law Stories. How about some riddles? Got three of them, as usual. I'm going to give them to you, but I'll give you the answers at the end, but I think you may be able to figure some of these out. They're not that hard today. First riddle. What do you get? When a dinosaur sneezes. What do you get when a dinosaur sneezes? Think about it. The second riddle. How do oysters call their friends? How do oysters call their friends? Well, I'll tell you when we come back. Here's the last one. Where does hamburger go to dance? Where does Hamburger go to dance? All right. We'll come back after this pause for the cause. I have a Paul Harvey story for you. Thoughts for the day. And I will give you the riddles, the answers to the riddles if you can't figure them out. Stick with us. This is Birdsong having fun with you here on the radio.
As you know, folks, I look up to Paul Harvey. He was a great broadcaster and newsman. He uh, delivered a number of stories on his program called The Rest of the Story. The stories were written by his son, Paul Arant. And here's what I'm going to do today. It's called Savior. It's about Alexander Hamilton. You know, there's a popular musical going around, uh, started on Broadway, called Alexander Hamilton. Now, some of you remember Alexander Hamilton as our first Secretary of the Treasury. Due to the, due to the significance of that solitary title, due to the significance of that solitary title, his numerous accomplishments are frequently overlooked. He devised the federal fiscal system that paid off our Revolutionary War debt. He established a national bank and set the stage for our nation's westward expansion. He encouraged, indu he encouraged industrialization before its time. During the early years of the United States, he was instrumental in averting wars with England and France. In fact, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., is where it is because of Alexander Hamilton. And Hamilton himself would never have lived to make these contributions, and he would never have survived the Revolutionary War had it not been for the young major who saved his life. In September of 1776, Alexander Hamilton was a captain in the Continental Army, and he was about to die. Serving under Colonel Henry Knox, Captain Hamilton and his division were trapped by the British in lower Manhattan. Other troops had evacuated in time to save themselves and fled to what is now the upper west side of New York City. But Hamilton and his men were stranded. Their fate comprised two bleak options. They would either fight and be killed or surrender and be hanged. They were dead men either way. It came as no surprise when Colonel Knox issued the order. His soldiers would stand their ground and fight to the death. In quiet desperation, Captain Hamilton awaited the inevitable attack. Suddenly there was a sound of horses' hooves. Were the British already advancing? No, it was not an army. It was a lone rider approaching on horseback. And the rider was a revolutionary soldier. But how did he get through the British lines? Hamilton's question was answered soon enough. The horseman was a young major, General Putnam's aide. Learning that Hamilton and his men were backed into a corner, he sought and discovered an escape route for them. From his own position of safety beyond the British, he had blazed an access to the Bloomingdale Road. Now, unless Hamilton and his company were Determined to die, they must follow the major quickly. It was an eight-mile march in the driving rain. But by nightfall, Hamilton and all his men were safe at Harlem Heights. Exhausted. Exhausted, they could only slump behind the entrenchments and fall fast asleep. But they were alive, thanks to the daring young major. Alexander Hamilton survived the Revolutionary War and he became one of our revered statesmen. And surely the face of that young officer, the man who had rescued him, lived forever after in his memory. He would see that face again.
many times. In fact, it was one of the last faces he ever saw. Historians frequently conjecture about how much more Hamilton might have accomplished had he not been gunned down in a duel at the age of 49. Mostly forgotten is that Aaron Burr, the man who cut Hamilton's life short, and the young army major who spared him even as our American dream was being born, the killer and the savior were the same man, Aaron Burr. And now you know the rest of the story. That's a pretty good one. I like it. Okay. I'm going to give you the answer to the riddles. Have you figured them out? It's not hard. First one. What do you get when a dinosaur sneezes? What do you get when a dinosaur sneezes? You get out of the way. <laughs> uh, second one. You may have figured this out. How do oysters call their friends? How do oysters call their friends? Well, they call them on shell phones, of course. <laughs> Finally, where does Hamburger go to dance? Where does Hamburger go to dance? Well, of course, they go to a meatball. <laughs> oh, I love these riddles. I hope you got some of them. All right, folks, it's been a great show for me. I've had fun here, and I've learned some things, and hope you have, too. I'm going to leave you with this thought of the day. Time is more valuable than money. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. Think about it. This is Birdsong. Have a good week. I'll see you next week. I love being with you here on the radio. <laughs>